Welcome to the 7 Days to Amazing podcast, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week. Now your host, Sharon Haver of FocusOnStyle.com. Sheiksters, I am Sharon Haver, and you are about to be amazed. I have a very, very special guest on today's episode of Seven Days to Amazing. Hillary Eldridge is a multifaceted woman. She's a partner in Achilles PR, a media and brand consultant, a TV personality, Iron Man, coffee connoisseur, I like that part, wife, daughter, <laughs> sister, mama to be with a positive perspective, a glass full of half a glass half full finds joy in all the little things. She hails from Baltimore, Maryland, and Hillary Phelps Eldridge is the oldest of three children born to Michael Fred and Debbie Phelps. From an early childhood, she was always a trailblazer. She was the first of the Phelps children to jump into the water and later into the world of competitive swimming. As her sister Whitney and her brother Michael followed suit in the years to come, Hillary's passion and ability took her to the University of Richmond, where she she studied criminal justice and sociology while competing on a swimming scholarship. Now, mind you, I am really impressed because truth be told, I can't even float, guys. So keep this in mind. <laughs> Ever the competitor, Hillary continued her athletic journey by earning her yoga certification in 2009. Soon thereafter, she registered for her first Ironman triathlon. And after nearly a decade out of the water, Hillary resumed her swimming regimen, this time adding the progressive cycling and running miles necessary to compete in the daunting 140.6 mile three discipline Ironman. Soon after competing Ironman Lake Placid in July 2010, Hillary embarked on yet another journey, the launch of HillaryPhelps.com, her lifestyle website. As a decorated athlete and accomplished baker, I mean, that was, you know, all that athleticism really helps when you're a baker, right? At a regular New York, at New York Fashion Week, Hillary has applied her diverse experience in the site's content ranging from fashion to food to fitness to geocultural issues. She began to delve even deeper into the overarching concept of her website, The Well-Rounded Woman, defined by her life experiences, refined by travel and exposure, unafraid of new challenges, recipes, designers, or deadlines. It was, in effect, the sheer happiness that comes with being the modern 21st century woman, a concept she describes as the process of finding the genuine joy in all that we do. HillaryPhelps.com has seen explosive growth over the past five years. As creative director, Hillary remains the trailblazer among the Phelps children, more recently expanding into regular TV pieces covering an array of lifestyle issues, including fitness, fashion, and culinary nuances. Hillary's current project is the One Day, One Act Initiative, a 12-month campaign undertaken in strategic partnership with DLE agency committed to empowering clients and colleagues to improve the lives of those around them by performing one selfless act of kindness each day of the calendar year. The One Day, One Act platform is as simple as it is empowering. Small things done over a long enough timeline having a big impact. So let me catch my breath, guys, and introduce you to Hillary Eldridge. I am thrilled to have you here with us today. Thank you. I am thrilled to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you. So, you know, how did it happen? First, let, let me give everyone sort of a, a background of how we originally met. Um, I don't even remember what year it was, but it was a few years ago on Twitter. You had tweeted something. I can't remember if you tweeted it to your mom and hashtag me or tweeted it to me and your mom. And I was like, oh, my God, because of the family bond. I just remember for so many years just, just watching you, you as a family at the Olympics. And, yes, your your brother is totally amazing beyond anybody's imagination. But what really struck me was the connection of you and your sister and your mom and the the camera just honing in on your family and their faces and the expressions and, and just the love and the joy of just really rooting for each other in a family. And it was just it was really just watching the sheer joy. And, you know, your website then was called Genuine Joy. And it really was such a joyful moment of just seeing the bond of a family. And I just, I think for me, it's just, that is one of the most impressive things and sticks with me time and time again through the Olympics, but just having a family that is so connected. So if you want to just sort of help us, because I know joy is one of your, your things, it's just telling us growing up and, and how you really had that connection in your family and really brought the world into that, that moment of just feeling love. Yeah, sir. I'm, you know, my parents did a great job of raising us to be supportive of one another and, you know, in everything that we did. So whether it was, um, you know, as you mentioned in the, in the intro, I was the first one to jump in the water. My sister and my brother followed shortly thereafter. Um, but we came to, you know, we went to all the swim meets. Uh, my brother played lacrosse. My sister's done Tough Mudders. I did the Ironman. So we've always had this really athletic family. And no matter what endeavor we were taking part in or what we were doing, um, we've always been able to look in the stands or look on the sidelines and see our family there. So that was one of the things our parents really did from an early age is stress the importance of, you know, that family support and love um, and being there for one another. And I think that stuck with us for without dating and saying how old I am for many, many years. Well, I, I think that love is just contagious when you when you see it in everyone's face, and I just I I really think that having a strong family support helps. It just helps everyone make things easier. And and if you don't have that as your as your natural family, or just finding the friends in in, in your life that can really be there as your support system, because it, it's so critical to just helping helping the day go that much easier, knowing there's someone else there who really cares. Absolutely. You know, what do they say? It's not the ones that are that are there when, um, you know, in the good times, it's the ones that are there, you know, through all the, through all times, you know, whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly um, the times when you feel like you're the worst human on the planet, you know, or those times when you're really down. It's the ones that pull you in closer. You know, those are your family. You're right. So whether it's, you know, the family of origin or whether it's the family that you choose, um, I think that's one of the most important things in life and ways, you know, that you talk about being amazing is surrounding yourself with people who always have your best interest mm-hmm. um, and those that are better than you in certain areas, you know, because they make you want to strive to be better in uh, in those different areas, you know, whatever that might be. Absolutely. I mean, and, and in life and in business, I think I was just at a, a business event the other day and 
what I find so amazing and, and not the best way is when you find you talk to people, especially entrepreneurs who are sort of stuck in their own shell and stuck in their own business. And they're like, well, why can't I succeed? Why can't I get to the next level? And you realize is they always want to be the smartest person in the room. They always want to be the best person in the room. So by not having the competition of people around you who achieve more that, that bring you up, that up level your desires and dreams and who actually support you, you never really get to the next level. It makes you very stagnant, and it's kind of sad to watch as you, people get older, and, and you can clearly look at them and see, you know, you're holding yourself back by not being able to reach your next level and surround yourself with people who bring you up. Mm-hmm. And it's also a challenge, you know, we have found, you know, with Achilles, the one thing that we bring most to our clients is that ability to be, the, you know, be the expert. Like everybody oh. has their, you know, we say this in our family too, you know, everybody has their role. So when it, you know, whether it was when we were, you know, supporting, um, supporting Michael, the coach was the coach, we were the family and his agent was the agent, you know, and, and at Achilles, we're the same way. Like we're the media experts, we're the PR people that are going out on your behalf. And I think those that succeed, whether it is in the personal or whether it's in the business, have the ability to say, this is my expertise. I'm staying in my lane, you know, whether it's, making mm-hmm. the best muffins or, you know, the best lipstick or being the best athlete or whatever it is. And I'm going to surround myself with people who are better than me in the areas that I need them to be, you know, whether it's supportive family or, um, you know, the media outreach that I need to get people, you know, people's eyes on my brand. It's knowing when to let go of control, which I think is also really challenging for people to say, you know, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to let you do your thing. And from there, we're going to grow. Well, yeah, we're going to grow. We're going to be better because it is. There is, you know, to get to a certain level of excellence, there is so that you do have to be sort of to a control freak to a degree, but you also have to be able to know when to like when to put the controls into someone else whose abilities are stronger in that situation, and it's a fine line for a lot of people to cross. But you know, I, I just think that it's hiring right. It's bringing on a team of people who you trust implicitly that they Absolutely. know what they're doing. You know, and, and that's Absolutely. so mm-hmm. difficult, especially in virtual worlds of people who claim they do a lot of things. And then you find out, well, maybe that's not the case. But it's just finding the right <laughs> person, you know, and finding someone who oh, cares about make- their clients. Yeah. And we laugh about that with um I was laughing about one of our clients the other day, and she's like, entrepreneurship is not Instagram worthy. And oh. I thought that was so poignant, you know, because I'm like, you're right. You can The things that you can put out there are all the great things that are happening, the positive things. But behind the scenes, you know, you're up until, and you know this, Sharon, you're up until 2 a.m. or you're taking a phone call, you know, from across the country, across the world, whatever it is, because a client is in need. And it's, it's, you know, you're not putting that on Instagram. And so you're right. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes that that, that people don't see that, um, that you can make look really pretty in the media, you know, in the media space, the digital space, Instagram space. Well, I think a lot of it also comes with confidence. I mean, I, I know for a fact, you know, if you see me right now with my cold, I just noticed I have a broken fingernail. So it's like, oh, my God, do I put a photo of a broken fingernail and no makeup on the, you know, on Instagram? Hey, look at me in my beautiful day. <laughs> you don't. You yeah. actually, but you learn when you have to do something. You don't want to, you're not lying to people, but you're representing right. a more polished professional image. And that that's another thing that, you know, I've 
took back from this conference I was at also, and it is a problem with entrepreneurship, particularly people who don't go to an office, who do work from home or work from a really casual atmosphere, is they get really sloppy in how they present themselves. They get really sloppy in who they are because they think nobody sees that, but it does it does permeate what you do. And when you leave, you do still need to have that veil of, of professionalism out there. And nobody wants, you know, how many pictures of coffee cups and iPads does somebody want to see on Instagram with a pen next to it? And my, you know, it's like, what a busy, it's like, really? Like, what's, you know, and then they're not even their pictures. They found somebody else's pretty pictures of coffee cups and pens. And, you know, I'm, I, you could talk, you've got the right team here to talk coffee to, you know? So yeah. it, it, it is interesting. So, but when somebody is an entrepreneur and you've been your whole life and as a strategist, how do you tell them to represent themselves in a social way that it does build a, a list of fans and a little more than followers and you're still real and you're still credible? Because I think that's some, you know, because I look at somebody all dolled up in a pink outfit and macaroons and I'm like, well, that's not credible. You don't really doing that, you know. So how do you still mm -hmm. share and still be credible? Yeah, I, for me, I think the most, and for our clients, the most important thing is authenticity. Um, and there's a way, you know, to tell your story, right, in a way that's, that's appealing, but that's not, you know, exaggerating or um, mm -hmm. creating a false reality. And I think authenticity is where it all starts. Um, because without that, it is just, it is just that fake imaging, you know, it is that just taking somebody else's picture or posing with a macaroon. And those are really idealistic and beautiful, but I don't know anybody that eats macaroons and wears pretty pink outfits every day, all day. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, really, when was the last time you had a macaroon? You know, it's just, I actually call them the macaroon girls. And I was, I was at a, I have a business coach and she's like, but other macaroon girls follow the macaroon girls. I'm like, yeah, but it's just not my thing. I don't eat that much sugar. When I eat a macaroon, I kind of remember it the next day. You know, it's like, that was a lot of sugar. It still was me. But it's just, right. I don't know. It's funny. It's kind of become this copycat symbolism, especially for, for women in business. And I don't find that to be very, I don't know, empowering or strong. So how do you, how do you present yourself as someone who is a very strong, empowered, well-rounded woman, which, which you are, which I, I think, you know, be smart and powerful is, you know, that's the best thing you can be. Mm -hmm. And being genuine and authentic. Yeah. Because without that, it is just fake and it is just phony. And, um, and you know, some days, some days aren't great. And it's owning that without, without deprecating, you know, it's, it's being real. Cause I think people like realness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a, you know, a time and a place to look my husband calls it pretty pictures. You know, there's a time and a place to look at pretty photos because they are, you know, they can create, um, you know, like they're visually stimulating. They're nice to look at, but when it comes to telling a story of a brand, I think it's really important. You know, I keep going back to this word is that you stay authentic because mm -hmm. that's what diversifies you from every other person out there. And it might not be the most popular, but you are staying true to who you are and staying true to your brand and your message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's just so difficult for people to do is just, because I, I think, you know, and why do you think so? I mean, is it that they're lost to themselves? Are they hiding from them, themselves that they're afraid to, like, deal with their own authenticity? Or is it just that they don't know? I always want, you know, I look at it and it's just like, why do you want to be a, a copycat fake version of someone else when you could really be a, a powerful, shining version of yourself? And they just kind of stare at you glassy-eyed. And 
I don't know. I find that so interesting. Why do you think that people have such a difficult time being real? Because I think people find what, what works and what gets the most amount of likes, right? Because at the end of the day, we want to be mm-hmm. liked, liked. We want to feel loved. We want to feel like people are listening and paying attention to us. So instead of going out and, I think, creating something, being – like having a – it's scary. I mean, I think you would agree, right, Sharon? Like going out on your own, doing something that people may or may not like – um, but being authentic is really scary because it opens yourself up to criticism and, um, you know, people aren't always nice, especially when it comes to digital age and social media. People say whatever it is they want or whatever it is they think will get a rise or clicks or, or um, draw attention to them. And so I think a really important thing is staying true to, you know, finding what it is that works for you and you may not have – you know, 300,000 followers or 3,000 followers, you know, or whatever that magic number is for you, but you're staying really true to who you are. And so I think that always accounts for growth. It might not be the fast growth, but you never lose message and you never lose credibility. And I think once you lose credibility and once you start putting out um, stuff that isn't true or trying to follow what everybody else is doing, it's really hard to get that back. Oh, totally, um, business, totally. You know, whether you're an influencer, whatever it is, yeah, because once you lose credibility in people, it's, it's hard. Um, and so that's and why that we keep going back to that, you know. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'll tell you, and the other thing about about losing things, you also, as you grow as an individual, as a human, you also might lose fans and followers who aren't growing with you, who you're leaving behind. And I think you need to be okay with that, too, in your own development, because you will find the next batch of people who will grow with you you know and that's I think something that's so difficult for a lot of people is they kind of rest on their laurels and hang on to their you know pink macaroons when you're like definitely too long in the tooth for a pink macaroon you know and it's time you know it's time to maybe go up to cheesecake or whatever you know and I think I think it's just so difficult for people to sometimes be able to say that not everyone comes with you in your growth and it's okay right Mm mm-hmm it's okay. So, it's hard, but that's life, right? Like, yeah, you remember, it's life. And I yeah. use this analogy all the time. Like, you know, when I was in kindergarten or, or, or elementary school, like the biggest challenge was, you know, one, you were upset you had to take a nap, or two, you know, you weren't picked first in dodgeball or basketball, whatever it was, and you thought like things would get so much better when you get older. And it, it, the, the problems and the, the challenges are still there. They just evolve, right? So with you, as we grow, our challenges evolve and grow as well. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you what does stick with me. I was the kid who was never picked for dodgeball or team sports. It was always like the end of the – everyone was standing there and like, oh, who won Sharon on their team? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Whoa. I was never the most team sport kind of gal, you know. <clears throat> and But when it actually – at that time, it made me feel really sad, you know, and – and, and then after a while, I remember as I was getting old, I'm like, eh, no one's going to pick me anyway. But then I also realized that I do have my own other sports, and I am competitive in my own ways. And maybe it's from being an old, only child or what, but I'm better in my – I'm just not a team sport kind of person. And I remember as a kid growing up, I was like, who won Sharon? You know, oh, there we got her. All right. <laughs> She's going to – we'll let her go up last, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it didn't. It's now I can laugh at it. I realize it's not, you know. And and the funny thing is, my son is totally not a, a team sport kid either. I remember when he was on the basketball team, it was like because he was tall, but he's like great at skiing. And my husband's like fantastic at skiing also. So I was just sort of married into and had someone, some people who are way more athletic than I am, but they're just also not team sports. So I think it's, you know, it's knowing what your boundaries are. And getting past mm-hmm. that horrible moment when no one will pick you for the team. <laughs> right. And it's also, I think, remembering that moment, right? That kind of yeah. defining moment when you felt really sad and, and being able to translate that into things that are going on now. Like, you know what? This isn't the end of the world either. You know, exactly. like kind of looking at the problems and having perspective. Like, because at the end of the day, it felt really sad to you, right? And it felt like you were being left out. But, like, ultimately – you were, you were, you were okay, you know? And yeah. So I think it, by the time I got into it, sixth grade, I was like really okay with it. I realized you're that, like, you know, <laughs> I couldn't do that. I could dance. You can't dance. You know, it's like, I could do other stuff. You know, I had a really high reading level. You don't have that. So it's like, it's kind of, you know, you just, you, you know, as a kid, it's different, but I think so many people hold on to that things you can't do rather than celebrating the things that they can do. And I think that is so important in growth. You know, laugh at what you can't do. Who cares? Just celebrate what you can. 100% agree. Yep. So Embrace yeah. the things that work. Yeah, do what works. I mean, not everyone can do everything, and, and that's what makes the world special. So tell mm-hmm. me, I know you have such a an, an interesting, varied discipline of things behind you, but if you had to pick someone who's sort of a role model or an icon for you, like – who would inspire you and shape your way? Or even if it's like a bunch of different people, like what, you know, who's growing up, like who is the one that really got you going? Gosh. So from a swimming standpoint, when I was younger, because I swam my entire life, uh, it was Janet Evans. So ah. She was the one I looked up to from, you know, athletically. Um, she was an Olympic swimmer. She was a distance swimmer, which is the event that I swam um, my entire life. I swam the mile was the one that nobody wanted to swim <laughs> um, and and oddly this is going to make me sound like such a nerd I had a, a poster of Albert Einstein in my room <laughs> oh so Janet Evans and Albert Einstein were my academic and athletic uh, kind of you know icons and heroes and, and I looked up to them but but now I think you know I look back and I it's as cliche as it sounds like my parents are really I don't know. And I think also it's because we're about to be parents ourselves. <laughs> like I'm about yeah. to be a mom. I realize just how hard parents work. Um, you know, we, we laugh, we make fun of them now because my mom um, used to water down our Gatorade, which sounds really weird because we all swam and, and we just thought that's the way it tasted, you know, and the first time we actually had like Gatorade, I mean, it was basically water, Gatorade flavored water. It was so, so water down um and we taste it for the first time we're like this is what it tastes like you know but i think but my point in saying that is that i think parents will do anything for their children we never went without you know and we weren't um you know, my parents my dad worked three jobs so we could all swim at a really high level um so they really gave up a lot for us you know and i think as a child we really took that for, for we took advantage of that we took that for granted and now i look back and like wow you know, they really, they really set us on the right path. Um, and I really look up to the, you know, the things that they did, the things that they gave up um, for their children. 
And I think parents yeah. do that. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I find the same thing, too. Like, when I became a parent, I really had a different respect for my parents. I mean, I always did. And because I was an only child, we were very tight. And, you know, one of my biggest regrets is that my father wasn't able to meet my son, that he didn't live that long. But I always felt that he was with us. And I think it, it just, it, it takes, I think it takes a good upbringing and makes it stronger. And you, you pass it down to your children or your child. And uh, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that one. So, yeah. um, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Ah, that's a lousy cough. So tell me, like, I know that, you know, we, we met at Fashion Week and it's like, what does style mean to you? And, and how does that in, inspire you? Because you, you have such a beautiful personal style and it's really part of everything that you do. And it's also what makes you all amazing and helps you stand out from the sports and the intellectual background as well. And I think it's really important to make you a well-rounded person. So how does style, how does it get into your life? How does it inspire you? What does it mean to you? I think it's, you know, I think style, whether it's, you know, fashion or hair or whatever it is, um, what it means to you, I think it's whatever it is that makes you feel the most beautiful and the most like yourself. I think style, you know, clothes at least, like clothes and fashion, I think are an external um, image of what's going on on the inside, you know. And I also think, um, I touched on this briefly and I was thinking about this, like when you look good, you feel good. Mm -hmm. And when you feel good, you do good. You know, mm -hmm. so when, um, and so when you said people work at home, like when I work at, I have an office at home and then we have an office um, in downtown. And even when I work at home, I at least try to put on a little bit of makeup and some jeans and because I feel that it makes me more present in my, yeah, you know, in my day. When I come home at the end of the day, I love a good pair of sweatpants, but I try not to work at them because then I, you're right. It makes me feel, it makes me feel sloppy. Um, and the older I get, I've found that it doesn't have to be, for me, style isn't trendy um, because those looks don't always work with with my body. And it's kind of, you know, going back to what we were talking about, like putting out a false image, um, that's not who I am. And mm -hmm. so I find things that work for me that make me feel really beautiful, that fit really well. I do believe in good tailoring um, and things that fit, you know, fit great um, instead of trying to fit myself into the trends, I try to find things that look and work with my body and my personality and uh, and I go from there. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And also, I, I kind of say that it, it's like you have to be, be present in your presence when you work from home, when you're doing something. And you'll see also as you become a mom and you're, you know, you're doing the playground circuit. And you're like, okay, well, I need to wear clothes that I can go to the playground with and maybe take a client call. And it's you're still casual, but you learn a way of pulling yourself together and being present in your presence so that you just, you don't feel like, oh, my God, somebody caught me and it's like that horrible bad day. But you're wearing T-shirts or jeans, but they're the right T-shirts and jeans. So you, you look more more polished and, and pulled together. And that same put together feeling is what I think affects your, your daily work and, and just exactly. you know, and everything you do. Yeah, the thing you feel better. I mean, you might be barefoot, but, you know, you're still you're still present right. in what you're wearing. And the older I get, the more and the more I've really um I think a good lipstick is really great, like finding yeah. a really good dynamic color. Because I'm, you know, even if I have jeans and flats and a white button-down shirt and I put on a bright red lip, I think it totally changes the way I feel about myself. Um, you yeah. know, and I think that is style, just adding that little bit extra. 
that just makes you stand a little bit taller, smile a little bit brighter. Yeah, especially when you go out of the house, a little concealer, a little lipstick, some brow, you're, you know, you're good, you know, and you suddenly look polished. It's, and it took two seconds. It's that right color. So mm-hmm. let, me, let me ask you. So I like to ask people this all the time on, on each one of our episodes. It's like if, if you can ha- tell someone, like, what can you do to be more amazing in your life, business, and style this week? Like, what takeaway tips can they say that this, these are the Hillary tips, and I'm going to try this week to really be more amazing, to kind of level up in my authenticity, and, and to excel? Um, so three of my favorites are just be authentic, right? Be you. Um, I love, and I'm a big quotes person, be you yeah. everybody else has taken. You know, there is nobody, what is it, Dr. Seuss, there's you or you, mm-hmm. that is truer than true. There is no one out there more you or than you. Um, but I think so often we try to copy somebody else or emulate somebody else because we see them and, and we think, wow, they've got it all together. Um, and it's hard not to compare our insides to what somebody else looks like on the outside. And I think being authentic and true to yourself is keeping in mind that we all have bad days. We all, you know, we all do go out of the house looking disheveled, um, but you can start your day over at any time. So if I'm having, a, you know, a bad day, a bad moment, had a bad call, I'm stressed, I go out, I go for a walk, and I literally hit the reset button. Like, you know what, the rest of my day doesn't have to be impacted by this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um so I love that. Um, and I always think be the change. You know, so often we complain about what's not happening or what's not right, but we're, we ourselves are so unwilling to do it ourselves. So if we see something that's not working or we see something that's um, that we don't like, instead of complaining about it, do something about it. You know, so be the change that you want to see. Um, and then lastly, you know, I, I love genuine joy. It's like find the genuine joy in all that we do. And what that looks like for me, what, what I found it, helpful is just to change my perspective um and some days it's harder than others <laughs> you know if i'm driving and i'm, and I'm stuck in for example and i'm stuck in traffic I, I drive back and forth between dc and baltimore often and i'm stuck in traffic like this is awful i'm going to be late this is you know you can go down that path of being really negative and being um i don't know just kind of spiraling downwards instead of saying like you know what my heater works I have a CD player, I love this song, and I have a car that's going to get me there safely. And it's just taking that little change in mindset goes a long way. And Mm -hmm. some days, like I said, it's a lot easier than others because some days it's really fun to just complain and be angry (laughs) and be resentful and just, you know, cross your arms and say, well, forget this. Um, But it's those days that I find that I can really shift my perspective and shift my thinking that things start to get better, you know, slowly. and just just doing something, just doing something small like that, the change in perspective is really helpful. Yeah, I think the shift is so important. It's just allow yourself to be annoyed and pissed off for that little amount of time, and then it's like next. Just figure out what's next. So what's next mm-hmm. for you is the One Day One Act initiative, which I think is fantastic. So you want to tell us a little bit more about it because it kind of it's a, it's a good lead into this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we work. Um, you know, so it's small things over a long enough time period add up to big results. You know, if we all do little things for, um, you know, tiny little things one day at a time to help others, to help ourselves, it really creates that big shift. And so we had someone um, write the other day and say, you know, my blind neighbor walked their dog and couldn't pick up, you know, pick up after the dog. So I did it for them. 
you know, and it's just those little things, those little small acts of kindness that might not seem huge to you, but really make a big difference to either one person and then collectively, you know, the world mm-hmm. on a whole. I mean, that's, that's at a larger level, but holding the door for somebody, saying thank you, um, and it leads to bigger and better things. You know, we talked about the evolution of, you know, whether it was um, of us, you know, evolution, and sometimes people are left behind, but then it just becomes becomes an evolution. It becomes doing one small thing, the next day doing maybe it's a little bit bigger the next day doing a little bit bigger and everybody collectively doing these great things benefits not only them but everybody Um, and that's a real change and a real shift in our community yeah I do and I think even just saying thank you and and I'm a big person on just you know going into a restaurant going to get coffee going somewhere and someone saying thank you or walking into a store and somebody looking at you in a small boutique and saying hello and it's like if you can't look up and acknowledge someone and say hello or say thank you when they handed you your your coffee when they handed you your glass of wine it's like just little things like that making people not feel invisible and helping other people I think just make society and your day just that much better Really simple, you know, a couple of syllables a day can really lighten up someone else's world. Or worse, not saying those couple of syllables can really, like, ruin their day. Right. And it's empowering, right? Yeah. Totally. And just, right, just being courteous and kind. And it's just those little things. I mean, you're not going above and and beyond or you're not going out of your way, but holding your door. Yeah, saying thank you. Giving a smile to somebody, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. They make a big difference. Making eye contact when someone talks to you. It's like, that's <laughs> That one is just one of my favorites. Like, look at me. You're talking yeah. to me. If you're shy and looking at the ceiling, that's a different story. But if you're just, like, too preoccupied scanning the room, you know, it's like, why am I sitting here having lunch with you? So We're on your phone. Yeah. yeah. You get Which that. Is, you know, like, I have it. I know my, and now that my son is older and my husband and I are having dinner, we're like realizing like we're, we're going out sometimes and we're like, uh, we're texting. Like it's, he was like the last of the, the last of the non-texting Mohicans. <laughs> like it took him a long yeah. time to get into it. Now it's like, put the phone down, just leave it there. And if it lights up as an emergency, we can deal with it. Or, you know, you want to know where the, the kid is or something, but it's like, we're having dinner, like get back and engage in conversation. That's why we met each other and got married. Right. You know, it's like conversation. And it's just, yeah. you know, it, it sometimes it's so hard. You're gripping that phone and you're like, no, put it down, put it down. Human interaction. I know. And that's something that's so hard is being present, right? Because it's yeah. just, I think sometimes, and myself included, I just go for a distraction. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm bored. I'm just going to, you know, kind of mindlessly see what's going on and it's not benefiting me in any way. So I took a, but, I had um, my, my iPhone just croaked on me the other day. Actually, it was an easy fix, but I was getting on the plane and I was with a colleague and I realize that I can't call Uber when I get off the plane and I can't call a car service because I don't have a phone. And he was like, oh, oh, you can use my phone. You can wait with me. I'm like, I'll just take a taxi. And he's like, well, no, I want to make sure you get it. I'm like, no, one day I remembered I didn't have a phone when I got off the plane, but I just had a right hand that I could put in the air and hail. You know, it's like I could still get off the phone, get off the plane, get my suitcase and hail a taxi. And it just seemed like, wow, you can really do that because they're all so Stuck into our phones. I gotta, I gotta text Uber. I gotta get this car service. I gotta, get, and it's like you could just have a whole life without a phone and probably survive like we did for centuries. It's interesting, but it was Indeed. just the whole reaction so, of like 
how do you get off a plane without a phone? <laughs> yeah, and be way more present. Yeah. Like I, there was one day I just out, you know, accidentally left my phone at home and I was out doing errands and I, without thinking, noticed my hand going in my bag to look for my phone. I was like, oh, I don't have it. You know what? And so it just kind yeah. of caused me, I'm like, okay, I'm not looking at who's texting. I'm not looking at Instagram. I'm not looking at Twitter. I'm not looking at all these things. I'm just going to do what I have to do and then go home. And it was just, it's kind of a nice, just to disconnect. Yeah. It takes a minute. But to it's hard. The, yeah. <laughs> I know whenever I do that, it's like you still put your hand in your right pocket. It's like it's not in there. Is it in the left? And then you're like, oh, no, yeah. I'm just going just gonna to have to look around me for a while. And then you forget. And it's like, wow, this is really great. It's like when you don't have a watch. I still wear a watch, which I uh, never look at, but I love my watch. And But the days that I don't have my watch on, like after I get dressed, I forget to put it back on. I'm like, where's my watch? I feel naked. But I like never look at my watch for time. I look at my iPhone. So I was having a coffee meeting the other day and someone had a watch and I was like, wait, what does that say? And I looked at it and it just says now. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> the time is now. This is the moment, you know, now. So it doesn't actually tell time. She's like, yeah, I just got it, you know, for just a fun little gag gift for 20 bucks or something, whatever it was on this website. And she's like, but it reminds me to be in the moment. I just look at it whenever I'm, you know, frantic or hectic. I look and it says just now. I'm like, oh, it's really cute. <laughs> no, I have, yeah, no, no, I have my watch. I always wanted this kind of watch. I got it as a present from my husband. I think I was pregnant. And I, I just, I love my watch, um, but I never look at it. But I do change its time every time I change time zones. <laughs> I do put it on every day, and it's not waterproof. So, you know, I take it off every time I have to, you know, get wet. But I love my watch, and I don't know. It's like a bracelet. It's your style. It's my thing. Yeah, my style. Yeah. So um, tell me, tell everyone, like, how can they get in touch with you on your websites and PR and social media? What's the best way to find you, Hillary? Yep. So um, our website is AchillesPR.com. Um, I am on Instagram as Hillary underscore Phelps and then Twitter as Hillary Phelps. Cool. And we will put all the links below for everyone so they can find you and this was great thank you and you know I'll thanks see for you. having me yeah i'll see you soon on um, next time you're in new york maybe we'll i am i'm coming up for fashion week yeah. i'll shoot your message yeah please do i'm actually i'm taking it slow this year but i will be there i'm doing Perfect. i'm doing more of my amazing and business stuff than my pure fashion stuff so i kind of see shifting i kind of like that but i'm still there as well I love it. Evolving. Evolving. Yes, I know. It's like, <laughs> I think I've been to 18 seasons of Fashion Week. Or oh, I yeah. think that was when I left, stopped counting. I'm like, rah! <laughs> it's a lot. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. When I had my newspaper column and I had to like really like go crazy covering every show as it happened, when it happened, it was like, ah. First, it's like the thrill of it all, and then it's like, oh, no, not again. This is really hard. Team of six behind me, you know. It's like, ah. So now it's, it's, a, lot now of work. it's, it's a lot of work. And um, I, I think Fashion Week also has evolved. I don't think it's the same as it used to be. And I think with Internet and live streams and, you know, as bloggers came in and changed it, I just I think it's very mm -hmm. different. And um, I'm curious to see how that evolves, particularly on the American front. So we'll see. I was just reading, um, um, there's an article called The Death of the Fashion Scene. And it yeah. talks, yeah, just how much 
it's evolved. And you're right. It's like cost cutting. You can just put it online and stream it. Um, it's really changed. I mean, I think when it left um, Lincoln Center last, now it's so spread out and um, all the shows are kind of all over the city. Well, it started out where it was being all over the city before it had Bryant Park. Before Bryant Park. Yeah, before Lincoln Center. And I kind of really liked that. But it, I think what's happened is with it being spread out now, it's just such a, it's such a crazy show of people trying to get from one to the next and competition. And it's like the real media and the bloggers and the this and the that. And the, who's the personal style blogger who just got all the free clothes who's standing there and posing and everyone likes to their family right. Instagram fans. And next season, you're like, who is that person again? And, you know, I just think it's changed. And, and being that everything is just the immediacy of the way the world works right now. The design, you know, now you can get like top designer clothes and click on it and buy it, and, you know, for a limited time and pre-order it. And then Zara mm -hmm. will copy it in 10 minutes. So I think especially with the American market, more so than European, that it's very, very different. And I just wonder how it's going to pan out. And, you know, are, are, are people willing to wait the six months to buy something when someone just had a similar version now? I think it all morphs into wearing what you like and trends become secondary because of the timing. All goes back to style, right? Yeah, all goes back to style. <laughs> it all goes back to what, look good on, what looks good on you. But I'll tell you one thing, as an audience person who's not in the fashion, when you see the stuff on the runway and you say, well, that's really cool, I bet you that there was a designer who did something really similar that didn't that didn't fly because they were ahead of their time and you can find that on the sale rack right now and <laughs> get the same part of the look you know from a, a fashion merchandising mm -hmm. and you know that might not be the best for the designer's bankroll but as a consumer you can get style pretty much anywhere if you keep your eyes open and and mm -hmm. on a sale rack too so mm -hmm. anyway You're absolutely right. Thank you so much for All being right. with us today, and I'll see you soon. And everybody, Thanks. so that is you go to AchillesPR.com. On Twitter, it's Hillary Phelps, one word. Instagram, Hillary underscore Phelps. And hope everyone follows you soon, and we'll be talking soon. So thank you again for being here, Hillary. Great. Thanks for having me, Sharon. Have You're a good welcome. Day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. Well, not so fast. Don't forget to hop over to FocusOnStyle.com for exclusive content to help you live your most amazing life with style and success. For even more great stuff that Sharon only shares by email, subscribe to her in the know list at www.FocusOnStyle.com insiders. See you next time.